Good morning again, church. If you would please be opening up to John chapter 13. We're going to read about what Kerr just described, that Jesus did for his people. We are concluding our series today on going on to maturity in just considering some virtues of the Christian life that we want to grow in, we want to be experiencing, we want to mature into the, the deposit of the Spirit and Jesus that's in us. We want to see that come to fruitfulness and fruition in our lives. Uh, as we're concluding that, we're going to take a couple weeks and, and just do some uh, particular messages because we are going to start the book of Acts in a few weeks. And I wanted to delay so I get to preach the day of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost. So we're going to do Acts 2 on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, but that'll be a, a, just... As we are thinking Nehemiah, how God puts these things together for us as a church, we, building healthy spirituality is what we considered as we look through the book of Nehemiah and how God builds his people together in his place to experience his presence. And, and we have the spirit inside of us always that we have his presence with us. And that's why we said, let's, what are some ways that we can be growing and just concentrating on things in our lives? That's why we did the virtues uh, and going on to maturity. But now it's, what is the church supposed to be? And every time we look at Acts, we look at this is how it started. And we want to just consider what are, the, what are the ways in which we are just asking God for him to show up in miraculous ways in our lives. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Acts, but also all of scripture, is when uh, the, the people of God were together and praying. I think it's Acts chapter 4. They're praying and the spirit fell, and the place that they were praying in was shaken. I love that. I love that. And I, just for us, as a, even as a church, to be able to say, how are we, how are we living? Are we living in ways that cause a stirring and a shaking? So we'll see. We'll, we'll journey together with the Lord as we look through that study. But today we are going to consider the virtue of servanthood. And we look at John chapter 13. We'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 5 and then skip over uh, Peter's interaction. I want to concentrate on, on Jesus' action of washing the disciples' feet. So 1 through 5 and then 12 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end during supper. When the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Lord, we ask that we would know the blessing of obedience and know the blessing particularly of serving your people for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was nine years old, my mother, my older brother, and I showed up. Mom had come to faith in Christ a few months-ish before we did that, found out New Orleans style that a family connection pastor is pastoring a church in New Orleans. And my mother now in this, we grew up Catholic and uh, this change is like, wait a minute, there's, there's a vibrancy that we want to be able to engage with and ended up going to Lakeview Christian Center across the lake. I was nine years old and walking into that building, it's like growing up, you had to be quiet in church, couldn't talk. I mean, it was just very strict, very regimented. <laughs> These people are laughing. They're hugging each other. Like, it's, it was otherworldly, and it is. But as I grew up, you know, that later childhood, but then my, my teenage years, I saw some faithful fixtures within the church body, servants. One was Miss Anna. She taught children's church. And as I began attending church, I began hearing a message of salvation from Miss Anna that was different than... I heard about a relationship. I heard about a grace-based relationship, not based on works. And I remember at, at, by that time, I was 11 years old, sitting in the back of children's church. I don't know what Miss Anna was teaching that day. But in the back, because I was one of the older ones, had to sit in the back. I just bowed my head and I prayed, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me and please come live inside of me. And there was a peace that entered my soul that day, my heart, that has never left. Never. Hadn't been easy, but that peace has never left. But Miss Anna was a faithful fixture. Loving the children, sacrificing her time with the body on Sunday mornings to be able to serve the kids. As I grew, I would see Bill and Nancy, who faithful fixtures in the church. Bill led the choir. Nancy played the piano. Bill taught Sunday school taught a Bible study that they hosted in their home. He was an elder in the church. Faithful fixtures. Both now with the Lord. Uh, We had Bill and Nancy over to our house years ago for dinner and just hearing old stories of, of when he started at the church. He came to New Orleans from El Paso, Um, to go to law school at Tulane and found Lakeview Christian Center and began just driving a van to pick people up. Law student, no money, but wanted wanted people to come to church, serving. Miss Verla had a ministry of writing letters to everybody in the church. Servant, 
was filled with Jesus as well and showered with all of the praise of Jesus as she showered everybody in the church with those letters, those cards. A faithful fixture. was Ray. Ray got saved later in life, reconciled with his wife, saw his sons come to Christ, serving the Lord. And he heard that we had a need in children's church. And he came to me after service and he said, Jeff, I have no idea what it's like to teach children, but there's a need and I want to serve. I've never done this before. And Ray was a happy man. Happy, happy man. He served in children's church faithfully until the day the Lord took him home. And my, uh, my tears of gratitude because of the impact he had on my children because they loved Mr. Ray. They loved hearing that he was teaching that day. He never perfected children's ministry. He just served. But yet, my children loved learning from Mr. Ray. I remember Lee and Pat who served every Alpha course. Now, the Alpha course, we've hosted several times as a church through the years, uh, but it's an introduction to the Christian faith. It's a weekly dinner, presentation, and then table discussion that's hosted at the tables. But Lee and Pat would wash dishes. Lee was, uh, he was an executive at Entergy. But he would bring his own hose and special nozzle to wash the dishes because the other one just wasn't right. But every Tuesday night, they'd come in knowing that they timed it just right. They came in when the dishes needed to be done. We have servants in our church too. That have blessed me for these little over 10 years that we've been in the church. um, We have servants. That I get to call very dear friends. My buddy Tony, who serves faithfully in that sound booth. Sometimes I wonder if he just wants a place to put his coffee. (laughs) But he gets here early with the worship team. And he serves. Diane Rose, who for so long served also in the sound booth doing whatever needed to be done, but also served in children's ministry. Dr. Diane, just serving. 
She would hate that I'm pointing her out. She's probably glad she's not here this morning. <laughs> but Denny Meyer has blessed me for so long in this church, in his serving and, and security, but also as a small group leader. Mr. Denny is the type of man who just is there. He's just there for whatever. My second parent, Stu and Nancy, who just are Stu and Nancy. So they serve the purpose of God by being them. But they've faithfully served in small group leading and leading our hospitality team. I'm really blessed by my family. Uh, my family. A lot of times they are voluntold. But their servanthood comes out in their heart posture. They're just ready to serve. As my as they've all uh moved on in life and I've I've given I think I've given everyone a pass when they've gone to their next season, whatever that would be, that hey you can take a little time off from serving because you've done really really well. <laughs> but um, remember Katie stepping up years and years ago at our former church, just teaching in the children's ministry, helping out. I'm blessed by her service to the church today, and Beth and Owen who just man they just. Just bless me. My mom, who's always updating me on who she's met on a Sunday morning. I get that run down on Sunday afternoons. And my beautiful bride. My wife serves me in ways that might not look visible on a Sunday morning. Well, I take that back. You can't see it in her. You see it in me. The effect of her service in my life makes me who I am. Gives me confidence to stand up here week after week when I don't like the sound of my own voice. I think my preaching is way below average. I just, I, (laughs) that I'm right. But my wife just reminds me, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus is doing. It's about what Jesus is doing in in you and in our church. So I am thankful. I didn't intend on like really sobbing over all of this. I need a tissue. I'm sorry. What stands out? What stands out about servanthood as we think of faithful fixtures is this. Consistency, joyfulness, sacrifice, and humble investment. Now look, I could, I could spend our entire time pointing out all the servants that we have in this church. So if I have not mentioned you by name, please, please do not. Please do not hear the voice of the enemy 
may be tempting you to think that you are less significant in the life of this church. Maybe I should just do that. Maybe we should just, I can point, I can point out every single one of you. I really can do this. I'm glad how you have been the evidence of God's love for me, for him and this church as you have served. And, and as a small church, everybody's got to do something, right? Everybody's got to do something. And I'm really, really thankful because you have been consistent and joyful and sacrificial and you have invested into Christ's body with humility. See, when we serve, we're obeying Jesus' command to wash each other's feet. Think about it. It's feet. Anybody have a foot fetish? Jesus didn't. These are dirty feet. This is usually reserved in wealthier families. This was reserved uh, for servants and those who were slaves. They, they were the ones that washed the feet. And when Jesus had this supper with his disciples, nobody was washing their feet. Meaning they didn't have the funds to hire the people to do that, so they just said, we're just not going to do that. Leave the feet thing alone. We just have an understanding. Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. See, the common folk didn't have the lowly servants, so they weren't, they weren't able to offer foot cleansing to their guests. But this is what Jesus steps into and says, I'm going to do it. Now, we have a picture of his glorious gospel life. Uh, incarnation. He rose from supper. He took off his outer garment, put on a towel. When Jesus was born onto this earth, he took off his outer garment of glory and splendor and majesty and magnificence and, and exaltation. He took off his garments and put on a towel to serve us. Our dirtiness. See, when we serve, we first glorify God, we are magnifying the gospel, and we're worshiping Jesus. When we glorify God, I think maybe the first thing we should remember is that God is a serving God. He serves his people. You see this way back in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. And they tried to sew the leaves together to cover their shame, cover their nakedness. What did he do? He took an animal the skin from an animal and made clothes. He served them. You know, I'm, I, let me serve you by putting the right covering over your shame. The manna in the wilderness, that's God serving them. We, we know from reading the stories that the, the Israelites didn't, they didn't deserve the manna, even though they sometimes acted like they did. And they finally said, all this bread and manna, can we just get some meat? That's what we did yesterday. It was glorious. <laughs> Thankfully, the plague didn't break out while the, food, the meat was still in our teeth. But God provided leaders for the congregation. He provided scripture in order to read his word. He had prophets in the Old Testament that were able to give the proclamation and the sense of God's word. We see that today with pastors giving the sense of God's word. He, he served in sending the Son to die on the cross, and he serves by giving the Spirit to live on the inside of us. God is a serving God. We have a humble God. He's humble. And serving connects us to his glory. See, God's glory 
uh, I think the, one of the best ways we can describe, describe it is his shining radiance and just his being who he is. When he declares to Moses, uh, Moses asks, who, who, do I, who do I tell Pharaoh you are? They're going to ask your name. All their gods have names. What's your name? He just says, I am. I am who I am. Tell him I am has sent me to you. I am. He just is. That is his glory. Uh, his glory is also his fame, his reputation. That's why when Moses, when, when God wants to just start over with the people, hey, I'm going to forget about Abraham's descendants. I'm going to start over with you, Moses. I'm going to make your descendants great. Moses recognized, no, God, that, that would be that would be dishonor on your fame. That would be dishonor on your reputation and your word that you said you would complete with your people. And God's glory is experienced as we surrender to his purpose in our lives and we care for one another. How do we find that? Look at Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Sorry, love God. This is the first and the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What is Jesus describing? How does this connect us to his glory? When we love God with everything that we are, we understand his glory, his fame, and how he serves us. But a direct output of our understanding who God is, is that we love other people around us. We serve them. And as we serve other people, we are, we are honoring and we're drawing attention to God's fame, his reputation, his glory. So God is a serving God. And as we serve one another, it connects us to who he is. It connects us to his glory. Serving one another also magnifies the gospel. Jesus serves. When his disciples were too in, interested in who was the greatest among them, trying to figure out their, the pecking order that they had within the 12, he says, hold on a second, time out. And this is right after James and John come to him and say, hey, uh, in your glory, can one of us sit at your right and the other one at your left? Can we just kind of guarantee that right now before all this stuff goes down? Jesus follows that up and says, for even... The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, think king, king of all glory, ancient of days. This is the king of kings, Son of Man. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. What king that we have ever heard of? comes trying to serve. They, they say they'll serve. No. I think King Charles in England at his coronation is going to start washing people's feet. No. They'll respond like Peter. You can't do that. You're royalty. No, 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 no. You're exalted. You can't do that. That's why it was so bizarre for Peter and the disciples. No, you're going to wash my feet, Jesus? He says, no, I need to do this. Now, Jesus was talking about the work that he was going to do. It's my work, Peter. It's not your work. Even though Peter tried, got a sword, cut off somebody's ear because he was that good with a sword. He missed the neck or head or something. Just got an ear. 
This is my work, Peter. This is not your work. Trust me. He came to serve and to give. He took off that outer garment and he washed the disciples' feet. What a glorious picture of the gospel. Jesus served us as our sacrifice, our replacement on the cross. And Jesus now still today serves as our intercessor. He's praying for us. He serves us now by praying for us. So then he says, now, serve one another. I've done this as an example. Serve. Serve one another. Because when we serve, we're worshiping Jesus. We worship him through our selflessness. 2 Corinthians 5.15 reminds us, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for the glory of Jesus. We do it with... Oh, I got an example for this. That I was reminded I forgot to put in here. You know, I always tease and say God gives me application points for the message before I preach it. Like, y'all get to hear it. Like, okay, how can I put that on? The Lord always says, Jeff, I got a good idea for you this week. You're going to be preaching this? So here. Uh, um, this was Friday... I'm sitting, I'm actually walking in here. I'd, I'd done my preparation and uh, praying in here, just sensing from the Lord, all right, Lord, how do I put this together? What do you want to say? I want your heart. And just, it's just a routine that I, I'm just asking the Lord. And my phone rings, and it wasn't on silent. A lot, most, a lot of times when I'm doing that, I put my phone on silent, so I'm not disturbed. It wasn't on silent. And I noticed that it was, I mean, I, I get the spam calls and everything. But it was the church number that I get the church phone number forwarded to my phone. And I noticed that it was somebody calling the church. And so I answered. And it was somebody who's, he says, oh, first thing, is this the preacher? I said, yes, sir. Oh, preacher, well, I'm an evangelist. And I'm on my way from Waco. And I need to go back to to, uh, Florida. And I just need some gas. So in that moment, I recognized this is, Lord, I am, I am in tune with you right now about a message for Sunday. And this guy's going to inconvenience me asking for a tank of gas. And I didn't say that out loud, but I was tempted, like, do I want to tell him no? I said no. Lord, you gave me, I'm going to be inconvenienced. I'm going to serve this guy. So I met up over the Shell Station on North Collins and I said, all right. Meet me over there, bought him a tank of gas, sent him on his way to Florida. But I just, I came back joyful. All right, Lord, I got you. I see. I see what we're living needs to be connected to what we're hearing. And it can't be one or the other. That's why the Apostle James says, look, if, you, if you're just going to hear the word and not be a doer of the words, there's a massive disconnect. The, the circuit, electrical circuit is not completed. And you need to complete it. But that's just, we're, we're selfless. We also, we want to be joyful. And when we worship Jesus, it is in joyfulness. When we serve him, it's in joyfulness. We complete Jesus' joy in our loving one another, and we need to rekindle the want to serve rather than I have to serve. Key distinction in our motivation. And we want to be faithful in our service as we worship Jesus. 
We invest time to serve. We invest money to serve. But all we have is God's, right? All we have is His. So we shouldn't be protective of our time or protective of our money in a way that causes us not to care for, love one another, and wash each other's feet. And part of our faithfulness is being willing to be inconvenienced. But remember, God is very inconvenienced with us, isn't he? He's patient. He's a patient father with us. Two scriptures to remind us. Acts 13, 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God for his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. After he had served the purpose of God for his own generation. We're we're alive, breathing right now, because there's a purpose that God has for us to walk out in our generation. And we want to be faithful in our service to the generation. And that comes through being faithful in our service to one another, faithful in our service to God in his glory. And then Philippians 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Remember what happened to the Apostle Paul? A lot. He gives a list to the Corinthian church. I was beaten. I was left for dead. I had to escape through a window once. Got all the lashings. 39 lashings. Yeah, I got those a few times. I was shipwrecked. Sleepless nights. Cold, hot. The Apostle Paul was able to look at his circumstance and say, all that I have experienced serves the gospel. More of him, less of me. Amen? More of Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. I want to serve. We want to serve the purpose of God in our generation, understanding that everything that's happening in our lives by our faithfulness and our joy and our love for Jesus, we are advancing the gospel. And so we can preach into myself, stop whining, stop complaining when things aren't as quick or as easy when we don't have the the control over a situation or we don't feel significant enough or where it's not comfortable enough, that's when we can recognize, God, it's not about me. This is about you doing something in my life that will advance the gospel. That's what I want to do. And you know, it's in small ways. It's in small ways as a church that we advance the gospel by serving one another, by serving. My challenge to all of us is this. Leave a legacy of servanthood in your connection with this church. Leave a legacy. Be a fixture. And I'd also follow it up with this. And as a small church, we have needs that need to be filled. But I would ask that you would be open to the leading of the Lord, maybe to do something that's completely foreign to you or completely uncomfortable, and watch what God does in that moment. Watch how he supplies faith. He supplies grace, joy. doesn't mean you become perfect in something. It just means you're available. So we want to leave a legacy of servanthood, but we also want to be available for what God would have us do. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for how you have served us.
and continue to serve us through your prayers. God, uh, Jesus, I thank you that you are praying for us in receiving the preached word and the promise of faith that arises in us as we hear the preached word is connected to your intercession. You are asking the Father for that to be fulfilled right now. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for serving us. And I ask, Lord, that we would be willing, we would be ready, we would be faith to serve as a demonstration of your, uh, connecting us to your glory as a demonstration of the gospel. Lord, advance the gospel. We want to serve your purpose in our generation, in our lives, in order to advance the gospel. Bring that about for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be reminded, church, we have received the word now. We, we are blessed If we do it, we're blessed if we obey our great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. May God bless us.